Welcome to COVID-19, Public Health Policy and Culture. I'm Dr. April Moreno, presenting information from various sources about the COVID-19 pandemic from public health policy and cultural perspectives. We will be sharing international accounts from policy, public health response, and even personal experiences firsthand about living in this era of COVID-19. So you probably are aware by now that we use Anchor.fm here on this podcast for COVID-19 PPC. And I wanted to tell you about Anchor.fm because this is actually the second uh, podcast hosting software I've used. And um, I really like it. I love how easy it is to use. I love the fact that it's free. And they have so many tools here like music and all these different options that help you record and edit your podcast either from your phone or your PC or your computer. And then Anchor distributes your podcast for you so that it can be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And then also you can even make money from your podcast with minimum, with no minimum listenership. And it's all you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're new to podcasting and you're interested in um, getting started, I recommend Anchor.fm. So what you can do is download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. Um, that's my recommendation. And, um, you know, after almost a year of podcasting, I'm really glad I found Anchor just recently. It just makes things so much easier. And uh, yeah, come check out anchor.fm. Okay, welcome to another episode of COVID-19 PPC, Policy, Public Health, actually Public Health, Policy and Culture. So today we're speaking to somebody who is in Italy, sharing her experience with what's been going on with the national uh, approach over there in Europe and in Italy on how to face the pandemic. So I'm really excited to share and introduce you to Donna Brown. Welcome, Donna. Welcome. Thank you, April. Thank you so much for having me. And hi, everybody. Really happy to be here and hope this is a helpful session for everyone. Yeah, I really do hope that this information is helpful for the world, for anyone who's living um, with this pandemic in this environment, which is basically everybody, and uh, to share some information and perspectives from around the world, because there's there's stuff that we hear within our countries, and then there's stuff that we don't hear in terms of what's going on with everybody else. So it also connects us to each other. And so, Donna, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit, little bit about yourself. Tell us about your life in Italy, how everything's been going. Just uh, please give us a brief introduction about you and things in Italy. Yeah, well, thanks. So I'm a business and branding synergist. I'm Canadian, but I've been in Italy for 38 years. I'm also an Italian citizen, so I've been here like forever. Right now, I'm in Milan in the hot spot of it all, which is uh, very interesting. I generally work with online entrepreneurs. So my business right now is, is digital and mostly outside of Italy. But my big background is in uh, design and relaunching brands of various in various sectors here in Italy with physical products and services. So now I'm focusing that on with the people who are in the online space, creating beautiful stuff. And I'm and this is an interesting time for people like it's challenging in so many ways. But I feel that there are also a lot of 
big lessons for us to learn on a human level as well, too. I love what you just said, that there's so much opportunity here for us to learn from this experience. There's always something in the middle of a crisis as well where we can gather information. And there are also some really good things that come out of these difficult situations. Like we understand, we get to learn about the kindness of people. We get to find new opportunities to reset and change the way things have been in the past. There's just so many wonderful opportunities, which I look forward to hearing about in Italy. I guess you probably speak Italian. You're very much immersed in, in Italian culture. Yeah, I've been here way too long not to speak Italian. Yeah, yeah, I'm fluent. And my kids were born and I would love here. to hear about how you're doing. How is your health right now? I, I basically live in self-isolation most, most of the time anyway, so fine. Thank you for asking. Thanks for asking. It's pretty common over here as well, just having an autoimmune condition. I tend to isolate myself for the most part as well. All right. So please tell us about what's been going on in Italy in terms of managing COVID-19. The beginning, I think everybody took it not as seriously as they should have, which is the common complaint that every country is having about their own country, right? So people in the States are complaining about people not taking it seriously. In Canada, the same. UK, the same. My Both my kids who are 24 and 28, they're living in Paris. They said the same thing about the Parisians. But the bottom line is, is that people don't like change. And it's an invisible threat. So it's very hard to perceive that threat, you know, in a real, in, in make it real to you somehow. And so compliance in non-gathering and a lot more precautions a lot more quickly weren't observed. I'm sure they weren't. And, and I feel that there's a very human, as I said, this resistance to change. We're not really wired for change without pointing any fingers at the people who are who had difficulty getting on board with this, that it's kind of natural, right? And so there is that adjustment phase of really taking it, oh, so this is, really is happening. This is actually a thing. It's not just something that's going to sort of scoop by us and I'm not going to notice and my life isn't going to change. So the first thing part of everybody, and I think in the States, is a little bit of that incredulity that you're feeling, right? It's like, is this really a thing? Or like, we went through all this. We're just a few steps ahead of you. They closed the schools in February. And so right now they're on week four, I think. And quite possibly they're talking about opening either after Easter or skipping the rest of the school year uh, directly. But with the schools closed, everybody else was still going everywhere. And so all the families were out with their kids because they weren't in school. So they were all gathering in, in mm -hmm. parks and people were going to the office and people were taking commuter trains and all the things. And so then, you know, there was the soft lockdown and then there's a complete mm -hmm. lockdown now. So you can only go out. You have to have a form that's printed out. It's a, it's a government form where you state where you're going, like all your generalities and where you're going and why you're going there. And you can't go out. You can go out to get groceries, to go to the pharmacy if there's sort of a medical emergency, but also have to be very careful where you go. Um, mm -hmm. And you're allowed to walk your dog, <laughs> but they're encouraged. And you, and theoretically, you can also go out for physical exercise. But the truth of the matter is, is that you don't really want to be stopped. So that's there's not a lot of that going on, I think. And it's a very interesting time. And I know everybody keeps talking about toilet paper, so <laughs> so I'll talk about our toilet paper. So the first time when they closed schools, there was the big rush on the supermarket and everything, even even the stuff that you look at and you wonder, does anybody even eat this stuff? That was gone too, right? There are things in the supermarket you go, who is it that actually buys those things? Well, there's somebody because it was all gone. <laughs> but um, that normalizes very quickly because what everybody needs to understand wherever you're living is that there is no threat to an interruption of uh, food source. So there's no risk of any of us being without food. 
primary needs. And this is really, really important for people to understand. So for example, our lockdown, which sounds complete, anybody, all, all farmers are out there working. There isn't a farmer that isn't out there working. There isn't a person who drives, like most of our stuff is delivered by truck just because of the way the country is set up. So the truck drivers are all out there driving food. I mean, there's, so I, what I would say to people is to have a, you know, have a bit extra at home, but to be sort of sensitive to the fact that everybody needs what you're grabbing 75,000 things of, and that po quite possibly you can manage with a little bit less than you think, and it, things will be restocked. That's my take on stockpiling. And the second time, uh, when they closed everything down, there was a mini rush, but by then people had already been through three, week, three weeks of seeing that everything normalized, so they kind of got over it. So there's not really any difficulty. There's more difficulty getting, let's say, masks or... Uh, um, like hazmat suits and things like that protect us. So what does this form look like? Is it something you print out from your computer or is it something they've handed to you? You sign it every single time individually? Yes. Yes. Every time. And some places they're asking you to do it two ways. Like you say, um, I think the Italian, my kids have one where you, you have to fill one out to go to the store from the store to say you're going back home. So theoretically you have two. I think here they're a little more lenient. And so people are printing these out. You have to carry them with you. They've already, uh, and the, the fines are very serious. They're criminal fines. You, you, you pay a fine, but you actually get a criminal record for circulating without permission and for declaring, making a false declaration because they have to, you know, people do things when you're forced to do them. That's kind of the bottom line. And it's not Italians. It's just everybody, right? You can see that the beaches in Florida are full and people in Spain were out having their tapas and, you know, all that. It's, it's, you kind of really need to make people stay home. So they started these fines for false declarations. And then if you're out sick, I see the point of it. If you know you have the disease and you circulate anyways, you risk jail time. Mm. Yeah. Because there's a guy in Kentucky, I think, who knew he had it. He was diagnosed at the hospital. He went home and he wouldn't isolate. So now they have a policeman in front of his doorstep. So you can see how you can't always trust uh, common, common sense, I think. But um, on the whole, things are very calm, you know, uh, except for the people who are working in the, the hospitals. Food and, industry. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. Yeah, but I think it's, well, the food industry, they're doing kind of the normal thing. But I think people who are working in any, like from first responders onwards, they're, they're very uh, pressed. Is there still food delivery going on from restaurants? Is, are restaurants still open? Some yes, some no. So the laws here are allowed to have, uh, you know how in Italy, I, I don't know whether everybody knows this or not, but basically when you walk into a place to have a cup of coffee, you generally stand at a counter. You don't, it's rare to sit down. I mean, not rare. Most, I would say 90% of the people just have it at the counter and just keep going. But at counters, you can't keep that distance. So anybody who didn't, has only counter space and no sort of tables or whatever had to close. Uh, most, all stores are closed. Most restaurants are closed. Most of them are closed because there's no, there's no real, because you're not supposed to be driving around to go to them. So if they can't organize food delivery, then they close. So the only ones who can deliver food are still open and everybody else. Sir, has there been talk about recession over there in terms of people losing jobs, closing down businesses? That's worldwide. And every country is to some extent working on what those measures are. You know, I'm particularly sensitive to the situation in Italy and in France because my kids are there and I can't get to them and they can't get to me. So that's one thing that I think that's probably the, the hardest part for me 
is knowing that I can't leave the country. I can't go to them and they can't go to me. So that's weighing on me as a mother. The recession, of course, the financial fallout of this is unimaginable in many ways, right? So in Italy, they've already stopped. There are lots of company taxes and lots of things that, you know, you sort of pay on a regular basis. They've all been suspended and postponed. And some of them have been, um, you know, they're just going to skip a whole chunk. So they've already put in things around that about mortgages being suspended for a few months. It's more of a socialist country, right? We have a, we have national health. We have, I, I hate to say how, how little it costs as in nothing to get tested. A very different system of support that for the population than the United States has in general, right? So everybody's doing something. I know the UK rolled out a lot of protection for small businesses as well also micro businesses and those are with you know people who are working on their own and stuff mm -hmm. like that so I think that most countries in Europe are trying to do something and every country is different and every country responds talking about countries doing the best they can can you tell us some great examples of things that Italy has done well in terms of responding to COVID-19 I think that once they did decide to do the lockdown people on the whole have been very collaborative about helping each other, about helping elderly people get their food, about delivering things anyways. The delivery man will stay at least a meter from you and he might even put it on the ground and you pick it up yourself. So there's just no contact and they have masks and they're wearing gloves and nobody's touching things. So I think you, know, you line up in grocery stores, you can only go in a certain number at a time so that people are not too crowded. So they tell you on the basis of the size of the grocery store, how many people are allowed to be in it at a time. And they go in you know, one in, one out sort of system. And everybody just waits patiently. So I think there's this great patience as well with people. They've settled into this. This is not going away quickly. And they've just, uh, after the first kind of, oh my God, what that, what's that going to be like? Everybody's just getting into the rhythm of things. I think because the truth is we're resistant to change, but we're also very resilient. So, you know, human beings are very resilient and it's easy to make a new system and to find a new normal and to get new routines and to sort of settle into something extraordinary until it feels ordinary. And then I think the fact that we're all at home, if you just sort of, and I'm just sort of reflecting on what my situation is here, I'm in, a, in an apartment and it's very quiet because it faces inside. So there's sort of like several apartment buildings and like a garden and a courtyard in the middle. I know sounds of traffic because there are no cars really. But aside from that, it's so peaceful. If I didn't know from the news, I wouldn't know that anything is going on. And I think that most people, if they're not directly uh, serving the population in some way, either through health services or like foods or other you know, vital services, then you wouldn't really know. It's because your home is normal to you, right? Your home is is welcoming generally for the most part. <laughs> Let's just say for the most, right? So there is that feeling of, oh, I'm in my safe space. Although maybe outside it's not quite as safe. I don't, I personally, but I'm not a fear, uh, I'm not a fear-driven person. So I don't feel fear. I'm cautious and responsible. Let's put it that way. But I feel that everybody has this feeling when you're at home. It's kind of that weird, you know, the time between Christmas and New Year's, you kind of never know what day it is. That's what it feels like. But with a little added layer of anxiety and uncertainty, right, about the economic situation and sort of what's going to happen after this. But um, it's that kind of suspense. It is. It's like that. It's just, uh, it, especially, yeah, it is. It's, it's got that feeling for sure. And I, I mentioned that to a few other people in Italy. They go, that's exactly what it is. That answers like. my question as well, because I've been wondering if I'm 
able to go outside. You know, I live close to the beach. I'm afraid to get in the car and travel to places that are not, I don't travel anywhere. Like I, because of chronic illness, like I don't go anywhere. And I have this question about, can I go outside? Can I walk? Can I even driving? Sometimes I'm I'm worried, like say if somebody were to pull you over or you get asked questions, getting too close to somebody is not safe either. So I don't know. What will happen is this is what's happening kind of everywhere because I look at what's happening with my kids who live in Paris. They're not even allowed to travel. Like Paris is huge, 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 huge. You can't leave your areas. So they're called arrondissements and you can't leave them. You have to stay within your own. So my kids live in two different ones. They can't see each other, for example. It's so large. There would be people going left, right and center. And that would nullify the whole point of having a lockdown if everybody can go everywhere. So they're saying you have to stay within your quarter or neighborhood. Let's put it that way. So they're very large, like that area. You you can go out. You can walk. Some people are like you can run and bike. Theoretically, you can do individual sports. That's what they say. Theoretically, you should be able to go on the beach. But people tend to like here. They they'll mm-hmm. stop you in a car and say, "Where are you going? And why are you going somewhere?" And if you're driving to go to the beach, I would say here that they wouldn't be happy. They would just tell you to like from your house, walk somewhere run somewhere bike somewhere from your house don't plan on saying oh i'm going to drive up to this park and go hike or something like that because they probably won't let you they won't let you hear i don't know if we've gotten to that point here but i heard like in los angeles they're still allowed to go hiking and things like that which is nice i guess but this is such an important point that you mentioned about you and your children so i understand being in two different countries that it's difficult to have a chance to connect with them to see them but then even within the city of paris if someone is living kind of far away in terms like you can't bike there it's a little too far you can't walk there it's a little too far no you can't leave you can't leave it's all divided up in what's called arrondissement so there's like numbers and my daughter lives in the seventh one my son lives in the ninth one they can only circulate my daughter in the seventh and my son in the ninth, full stop. Like nobody can leave and they have, they have them sort of cordoned off. So between areas so that you can't go from one to the next. I had this weird experience and it just brought home to me how simple it is and how it really takes just one person. And we always have to think mm-hmm. that this started with one person who was in mm-hmm. Wuhan who came back to Italy, right? This, this is how it came here. And we're now the, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Korea's first and now us um it, we're the hot spot of europe right so so and i don't really see very many i don't see anybody i don't i can't even say i don't see very many people i see no one this is like point blank no one but i'm in this flat mm-hmm. that belongs to my kids and um because it's closer to services and health and stuff like that so i moved here for that for the time being just because it was easier for me and the the lady who does the cleaning for mm-hmm. them um you know they they mm-hmm. rent through airbnb and stuff like that to sort of pay for things and and so this lovely woman came, she's lovely. She came into the house and I'm thinking, wow, she's been on a commuter train like for an hour. She works part-time at a home. The mom was homesick with a fever and this and that and the other thing. And she said, no, 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 she doesn't have coronavirus because she got tested. But I was thinking this woman was at home ill, like she's working <laughs> in a house six hours a day. And then she came here, right, with this, these people who are sick. The kids, their kids were already mm-hmm. home from school. And of course, the cleaning lady, what does she do? She touches the dishes, the laundry, the surfaces, like she touches everything. And then she came into this house and I'm thinking, oh, cool. I could get sick and I'm just sitting in my own home doing nothing. So it just pointed, I'm not, as I said, I'm mm-hmm. not fearful because my health is good in general. So, but what, what brought it home to me was just how easy it would have been for me to get it even though I hadn't gone anywhere or done anything. Mm. 
right? Do you, I don't know. I, I hope mm-hmm. that's clear mm-hmm. the story. So to me, it was just very striking how easy it is to pass this on. And I think we all need to be very cognizant of that. The woman who's out there taking public transportation and cleaning, going into different homes. That was at the very beginning. She's not going anywhere now. She's not allowed Dude, to. I, I'm so concerned about the hospital staff, the cleaning staff. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, I know. And they're so overworked. So the problem here is that they're exhausted and they're overworked. Why are they overworked? Because they don't have enough mm-hmm. protective co- clothing. So because they don't have enough protective clothing, they mm. really can't take breaks. So they're working like a 12-hour shift mm. without So that's happening breaks. there too. Because they don't have clothes. Right, they don't the have gear. the protective covering. So it's not a mm-hmm. question. They have the people, mm. but they don't have the covering. And so then they don't have enough ventilators. And, and so they're having to make choices of who they feel has more uh, chance of, uh, mm-hmm. of recovery, which is, you know, these choices that... Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to make, mm-hmm. right? But this is kind of mm-hmm. where things are. What could have been done differently? I know we already kind of went into this, just responding quicker. Is there anything else that may have, should have, possibly could have been done differently? So I think Italy wasted three weeks. Like we closed the schools down at, for three weeks before they locked down Italy. I mean, and in the meantime, everybody was going everywhere. And how could you imagine that that wasn't going to go the way it went? That to me is a little bit bizarre and I didn't see the point of closing the schools like it's like close the schools but then everybody else should be Mm -hmm. at home too otherwise what's the point because we're it's the adults that are dragging it everywhere I think France shortened the timeline a little bit they shut down before um, they shut down and they shut the borders in a sort of they shortened the timeline between closing the schools and shutting down everything I feel that that like the faster it happens, the sooner it's over. It doesn't because we're still we've been in lockdown for 10 days and we still have a huge increase every day. And like today, I think almost 400 people died just in our province. Once it's in your area, I would just go like radical right away. Like I would have wait. I don't know. I don't know why they waited. I think that had something to do with and I'm not an expert. And it feels to me like they had a. Um, guidelines from the world health organization to reach a certain level before they called it a certain thing but it's like but why would you let it get to that level if you could just really shut everybody down for a very short period of time and contain it like as soon as you knew it was here shut everything down and get it out and do you know what i'm saying whereas in the meantime now we have to shut down the whole country maybe at the beginning they would have shut down two or three cities two or three towns and now it's like the whole country so i i feel that People are waiting and discussing and about saying, oh, yeah, people can still go out for dinner. And of course, well, we're not like Italy. It's just like, yeah, right. It's just like, you have to be kidding me. Like, have you learned nothing? And it's so weird that nobody wants to learn any lessons from other countries and they all feel they're different and special. I don't know. Why aren't you watching and learning? Why aren't you shortening that timeline? There's one little town in Italy that I was that has 3,000 people and it's so that's pretty small and they tracked everybody and they tracked everybody and they've gotten rid of it all like already in a very short space of time because they tested everybody in the sit in the town here there it's even a public health system and still not it's there's not blanket testing let's put it that way so how are you taking care of yourself during this time how do you practice self-care how do you practice wellness first of all my kids were really cute they sent me a little before they got shut down as well they sent me like a little isolation care packages. So they sent me some bath bombs. They sent me a puzzle. They sent me a book. They were really cute. It was really, really sweet because I knew I was here by myself for the, for the duration of this whole thing. I very quickly got into the 
idea that you need a structure to your day. Because when you don't know, when you're just sort of inside and you kind of don't really have a plan, a little bit of a plan, doesn't mean you have to follow to the letter, but some kind of a structure, you'll feel a little more relaxed and there's an, a little less lethargic, I think. I'm somebody who still has like a meditation practice and does things like that in the morning. So like your morning practice, but really give yourself a cadence to your day. Otherwise it's like this never ending. You don't ever stop working, but you don't ever start working. You don't ever stop grazing <laughs> or I'm going to stop now and I'm going to take a break till this time, like giving yourself a little bit of structure, especially when you have other, I mean, I'm lucky because I'm by myself that you feel no need to build in a structure. And I think that we don't, we mostly don't do that well without any kind of structure at all. Even if it's minimal, getting a lot of fresh air, even if it's just opening the windows and we have a really long balcony here. So walking back and forth and back and forth on the balcony a little bit like a crazy person. Staying in touch with people. I've had a lot more conversations and a lot more people reach out because I know I'm in Italy and I'm in a situation sort of that they're not in yet because I feel it's coming for most places. But trying to also about fear and anxiety. Anxiety feel that there are a few things. And one of the things that is making people anxious is not just the unknown, that's the obvious, right, of what's going to happen and all that stuff. But there's also this other anxiety of our loss of habits. We are so used to consuming. We're so used to being out and buying and spending and doing And, and all of a sudden we're at home with where none of that is available. And there's a little bit, because we're used to those dopamine hits throughout the day and throughout the week, and we're missing them all right now. There, I think people are going through withdrawal systems from their consumerism, which is, it's true though. And when you think about it and, and you realize all of a sudden, well, maybe I won't have money to do that. So you're feeling that constraint and you're feeling a little bit of anxiety and all the stores are closed. So you couldn't buy anything here if you wanted to. All of a sudden it's like, well, this is weird. And so I think that's one source of anxiety, strangely enough, that you get through that people don't always pick up on right away. I feel that anxiety is really sort of that, I guess it's that, it's almost like that sandpaper between where you are and where you'd like to be, right? That feeling, breathing, right? Breathing a lot and just knowing that nothing lasts forever, nothing lasts forever. So the, the biggest things that we have thought, we can think of that have happened to humanity, none of them lasted forever. And of course there will be long-term consequences to this, but I also feel there are huge opportunities for us to behave differently and work differently. And you know, I just feel that that's really important. And the same thing with fear is that fear is functional, right? It's meant there, it's meant to protect us, right? To, so that we jump out and from in front of a car as it, right? And things like that. And, and so fear has a function, but buying into the fear, feeding the fear, focusing on the fear is a choice. And you have to realize that you do have the choice to stay off the media, just get the information you need and then get off because you'll find out anyway, some friend of yours will WhatsApp you something, right? Or we'll send you a message in Messenger and, and say, oh, have you heard the schools are closed or something? There's no way that you won't find out. So limit your time on the media. It's not helpful. Five minutes a day, maximum, because nothing's going to change in a day, really. And if they say they're going to shut something down, for sure, some, one of your friends is going to tell you. I promise you. So that I stay off the media as much as possible. Uh, I try to see how I can help other people. You can always help from ho even from home. So I've been doing a lot of work with entrepreneurs on how to really like what we're being shown with all this fear and how to move into a more compassionate way of doing business and, and speaking to your customers and talking to the people or just in general, how you face your business and your life. Because I just feel that this is this big stop is a chance for us to reflect and to innovate and to create and to regenerate and to decide 
after this, how do I want to be? How do I want to live? It's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see what we carry for, what positive side effects come out of this. Have you been affected by this? Do you know anybody who has been ill from COVID-19? The only person I know who's been ill from COVID-19 lives in the United States. <laughs> so <laughs> Crazy, right? So no, not directly. My son, when he was living here as a first responder, so he has all the, as a volunteer first responder. So the crazy thing about Italy is that their ambulance system, you'll appreciate this, a Monday to Friday, the day shift is paid every, and this is the whole country, every evening, every night, every holiday, every event, they're all volunteers that train. So it's, yeah, yeah. So he's a volunteer uh, first responder. So all his friends are out. You've seen all the videos of people singing on balconies and things. And what I was reflecting on is that our desire to connect and our desire to open our hearts, the more we're shut in our house, the more we're opening our hearts. So there's a, you know, there's Massimo Bottura, who's like one of the world's best chefs. He's the world's best chef, really, um, is cooking from his home at night. Like he's, he's in quarantine as well. So he's doing a little live stream with his daughter and his son and his wife about, you know, the dinner that he's making. And somebody else, the guy who the, does the voice of Olaf and Frozen is on Twitter reading books live every night. What I'm noticing is desire to not just connect, but to connect in positive, beautiful things, right? There's so much sharing of beauty and art and creativity and pulling what together to the world to know to about this beautiful. time, this season. The season, that's perfect. That's the perfect word because I feel it's really like that season of germination right? where you have to just sort of where everything is quiet in the winter when everything's happening underground and you don't know. But that's just that rest period or when people who are into agriculture will know about set aside where you lay a, a field fallow and you don't grow anything so it can become enriched so that it can give more later, right? And this now, I think we're being asked to uh, really to sort of rest and to turn inwards and to realize how much we were spending on things we absolutely don't need and is not helping the planet to produce. We can maybe give space to some creativity and innovative, like we're very creative and resilient. So this, what kind of results and, and I don't want to call it opportunities, but what new exciting things will come of the fact that we're staying home and we're having to connect with our kids and how much happier those kids are going to be that they're not being, they have to get up super early at school and their parents get home really late because they both have two jobs. Like this for them is heaven, to be honest. It may not always be so much for the parents, but definitely there, I'm sure there are so many kids who are happy that this is happening. I think it's a time of renewal for people and that we can choose afterwards to not go back to the way things were. Like, I don't wish that on anybody. I wish us to find a new way forward. And so now it's kind of cracked open that system to allow us to build something new. And everybody who's staying home, there's so much less pollution. As maybe this is also one of the big lessons that we have now too. What if we changed, completely changed our way of working and living? And there's many positive lessons in here as you can. Of what's going on.